Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus on the end of the Supreme Court's 2020 term. So this year was a very unusual one uh, for all of us, of course, what with the coronavirus out there and how it disrupted life, but for the Supreme Court of the United States as well. Back in March, you may recall us telling you uh, for the first time there were audio arguments over Zoom or some similar platform that we could all hear uh, in real time with the justices at home, I guess. I mean, certainly not all together in the courtroom there because no social distancing and a bench for nine. Uh, It had some other effects too, and that was to postpone certain cases into next term, but also to delay the decision-making process a couple of weeks. We would usually find the end of the Supreme Court's term coming with the very last day for the issuance of opinions at the end of June, but this year it went all the way well into the first full week of July. And what a term it was, especially in that last month or so. Now, on a subsequent news bonus, I'm going to run down all of the criminal cases that were before the Supreme Court. And there were a few of note, uh, unanimous juries for convictions, a big, big case on the the rules of insanity. Uh, But let's just take some of these last couple of big decisions in the last few weeks. And we're going to do that by listening to my conversation with Kevin Gavin. And Kevin is the host of of the public affairs program, The Confluence, on my home public radio station. That's WESA-FM Public Radio Pittsburgh. One of the other hats I wear, you may recall, is I serve as WESA's legal analyst, and that brings me to speaking with Kevin every once in a while about, you know, anything that might be touching the full legal system. And because of this delay in the end of the Supreme Court term, we did two different shows on the end of the Supreme Court its term, one on July 2nd, when they had issued most of the big cases in the term already, DACA, uh, LGBTQ rights under the Federal Employment Discrimination Act, and some others. And then, uh, 10 days or so later, another whole uh, discussion uh, that aired on July 13th, and that primarily concerned uh, the late decisions in cases involving the religion clauses and the contraception mandate uh, under uh, Obamacare, and of course, Trump's taxes and business records subpoenaed by the Manhattan DA and the House of Representatives. So what you'll hear here is both of those brief interviews kind of just coupled together. Um, no sense in dressing up or making making believe that we had just one conversation when we had two. So you'll hear two conversations between Kevin and I, uh, which happened about 10 days apart. Uh, and uh, the second one right at the end, there's a brief preview of next year's biggest blockbuster that's already on the calendar. So this is from The Confluence. The host is Kevin Gavin interviewing me. Uh, the producers are Doug Shugertz and Julia Zelinsky. Normally by early July, the U.S. Supreme Court has handed down all of its decisions for cases in that session. But due to the pandemic, there are still some cases pending. However, the high court has issued some huge decisions. University of Pittsburgh law professor and WESA's legal analyst David Harris joins us now. 
David, on Monday, by a 5-4 to four vote, the justices struck down a Louisiana law regulating abortion clinics, saying that requiring doctors who perform abortions must have admitting privileges to nearby hospitals violates Roe v. Wade. Wasn't this Louisiana law similar to a Texas law that was struck down earlier? Well, that's exactly right, Kevin. In 2016, the Supreme Court heard a case called Whole Women's Health out of Texas in which that same kind of law that doctors had to have admitting privileges at local hospitals was struck down as part of a package of Texas abortion restriction laws. So here we were back in 2020 with a Louisiana law that was exactly the same as what had been struck down before. And the difference here is now Chief Justice Roberts in how he voted on Texas versus Louisiana. Well, that's exactly it, Kevin. That's what makes this so fascinating. In the 2016 case, the 5-4 deciding vote was Justice Kennedy. And when Justice Kennedy retired and was replaced by Justice Gorsuch, a number of people in the state said, ah, now's our chance. We're going to overturn that 2016 case. We're just going to run the same play again. And now we'll get five votes for us, at least five. Well, Justice Roberts surprised everybody. He joined the four liberals in striking the law down again, but he didn't join their reason. He said, I don't agree with what this what this decision is uh, in the reasoning, but I uphold it as a piece of precedent. What you're seeing is Roberts defending his institution. But this isn't the end of it. Uh, There are state abortion restrictions cases making their way up to the high court, aren't there? Absolutely. And it's the same motivation. Since the early 90s in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the U.S. Supreme Court said states can regulate abortion, but they cannot place an undue burden on it. So state after state after state passes laws chipping away at the abortion right to see just how far they can go. And it's not over yet. Another decision this week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Montana's exclusion of religious schools from a state scholarship program funded by tax credits violates the U.S. Constitution. Any surprise here? This is not a surprise. What's a surprise is how much different it might look to people of a certain age. When I was coming up, uh, you looked at uh, these kinds of cases, and there was a very strict separation of church and state, no public funding for religious schools. Now what we find in so many areas is the First Amendment being used as a shield for religious institutions. That's what we have here. The court saying the First Amendment gives uh, the right to free exercise of religion, and that is a greater and more important right in this instance than the separation of church and state. And there was a landmark ruling extending protections to millions of workers nationwide, uh, federal civil rights laws protecting gay, lesbian, transgender workers. Absolutely. And this really was a big decision. This involves the federal law that protects against employment discrimination. And textually, it says... Uh, on the basis of sex. And so the question before the court was, does that mean gender, that kind of interpretation of the word sex, or does it mean something more? Could it include sexual preference, trans status, things like that. The writer of the opinion for the majority was Justice Gorsuch, of course, put on the court by the president as a conservative voice. And he said, no, the word sex 
includes sexual preference because if a person is being discriminated against, for instance, for having a relationship with a man and that person is a man, uh, the person would be treated differently if the person having the relationship with a man was a woman. It is a monumental change. Now, it doesn't change state law, which is often, for instance, in Pennsylvania, much more restrictive. The state law in Pennsylvania does not protect people against this kind of discrimination. And it doesn't change other areas in which people can still be discriminated against, such as housing or the provision of services. Decisions remain to be handed down on some key cases. What are you most curious about? Maybe those originating in Pennsylvania over whether employers with religious objections can refuse contraception insurance to their workers? Yeah, that's a big one still to be decided. The Little Sisters of the Poor case, uh, does the conscience objection, so-called, uh, apply here and uh, mean that the religious organization does not have to obey the contraception mandate? And the other one I'm really watching for is, are, are the various cases on the disclosure of the president's financial records. You remember Congress subpoenaed his financial records, his tax records, so did the state of New York, one of the prosecutors there, and the court is going to speak about those things, too. Pitt Law Professor David Harris is WESA's legal analyst and host of the Criminal Injustice Podcast. Thanks, David. Good to be with you, Kevin. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24-7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need when you need them most straight to your door. Now, when my family had the job of selling our family home after it was empty, we knew we needed a security system we could count on. My brother, the electrician, the guy who's the most tech savvy of all of us, he recommended we go with Simply Safe, and boy, am I glad we did. It was easy, it was affordable, and it was good. It performed, and we were safe. Simply Safe protects every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in just 30 minutes. It's really easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment they get an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract. There are no hidden fees and no installation costs. Right now, my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/injustice. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/injustice for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe, S I M P L I S-A-F-E, that's simplysafe.com slash injustice. It's the Confluence on 90.5 WESA. I'm Kevin Gavin. The U.S. Supreme Court has concluded its session with mixed results for President Trump. 
we're going to take a look at the impact of these decisions and preview a big case coming up in the fall with University of Pittsburgh law professor and WESA legal analyst David Harris. Welcome, David. Good to be with you, Kevin. So, David, let's start with two Pennsylvania cases, Little Sisters of the Poor versus Pennsylvania and Trump versus Pennsylvania. The Commonwealth fought in lower courts against the president's exceptions to allow employers with religious or moral objections to deny workers contraception insurance benefits. That was at the heart of these cases. That's right. You know, the Affordable Care Act made uh, contraception universally free to anybody getting insurance under its mandate. And it also created an exemption for religious organizations. But that wasn't enough for some of these organizations. They didn't want to have anything to do with the federal government supplying any of the services through funding. And so they objected and sued. And that's the case that the court decided on its last day of the term. Any surprise about this? No, not really, because uh, thematically the court has been moving in this direction over a whole host of different kinds of issues. We talked uh, in the last time we were together about this, the case from Montana and religious school funding. What you see overall is the court using the religion clauses in the First Amendment to justify a greater exercise of religious rights over rights uh, of other people, say, in the Affordable Care Act to get free contraception. And the court is simply saying that those free exercise of religion rights, the right to not have to do something or to get government funding and not be excluded, those things triumph over lots of other societal interests. And the court's been doing this now for at least 10 to 15 years. Let's talk about the president's tax records. The justices ruled against his efforts to block turning over those records to a New York grand jury, but the court rejected the House's attempt to see them. Uh, is this a mixed message? What is it? Well, it is an interesting uh, mix of cases, uh, but the same thing was going on in both. In both New York State and the House of Representatives of the United States, different bodies were going for President Trump's tax and other financial records. They had different motivations, but the same argument was being made by the president. The president was saying, the president is absolutely immune from any investigation while he holds the office of president. The court looked at the cases differently only because of the purpose of the investigation. In New York State, a state district attorney, the district attorney for Manhattan Borough in New York, same kind of position as our district attorney here in Allegheny County. The state-level district attorney is investigating actions by President Trump from before he was president. And they have subpoenaed for the grand jury uh, years of his tax and financial records. Right. In this case, uh, the Supreme Court came out and said it couldn't be clearer, just like in the old Nixon tapes case, just like in the case against President Bill Clinton, uh, the grand jury has a right to every person's evidence, and it doesn't matter that he's president. He gets no special exemption for being president. Those documents will come to the grand jury. There will be some skirmishing about just how many and so forth, but really that battle is over. Right. And very briefly, um, what does this mean in terms of information to the public? Nothing will be coming out before the election, correct? No, absolutely not. Nothing is going to come out. There's going to be skirmishing in that grand jury case in New York, and nothing is going to come out of the House for a while. 
And briefly, David, we mentioned uh, the cases earlier about uh, contraception insurance. That sort of carved out part of the uh, Affordable Care Act. There's a big case coming up that could challenge the entire Affordable Care Act? Yes, that's right. This is the biggest case on the court's docket for next year. It's called California versus Texas, and it is a challenge to the very existence of the, of the Affordable Care Act. You remember that the Congress, in its last act on the Affordable Care Act, struck down the mandate that people belong and pay in, and without that, uh, the, uh, the, the people challenging the act are saying uh, the whole structure has to come down. So the Trump administration is in the Supreme Court saying, get rid of Obamacare root and branch. And they look at this as their chance to do that. Pitt Law Professor David Harris is WESA's legal analyst and the host of the Criminal Injustice Podcast. Thanks, David. My pleasure, Kevin. That's it. Two segments on the confluence from WESA-FM, Public Radio Pittsburgh. Uh, I was interviewed there by host Kevin Gavin. Uh, You can hear all of our news features, uh, our other pieces like Read This or Listen to That or Lawyers Behaving Badly, and our interviews with all the most interesting and impactful folks in the criminal legal space. Everything from police chiefs to advocates to journalists, you name it, by going to our website. That's criminalinjusticepodcast.com. Remember that we're listener-supported, and thank you very much for that. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time.